Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. I'm Mary Vandenack, founder and CEO at Vandenack Weaver Trulson. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about tax issues, trusts and estates, business succession and exit planning, law practice management, legal technology, law firm finance and leadership, and well-being. First of all, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and Foster Group. Here's a message from Interactive Legal. There's always a resistance to change, particularly with attorneys. Attorneys like to look back at what's worked in the past, and that makes a lot of sense. But when you realize that with a good automated drafting system, you can do a better job for your clients, deliver documents on a more timely fashion, in a more consistent and in a more costly manner. If you're not a subscriber to Interactive Legal, I urge you to go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. And you'll be contacted about having a demonstration of interactive legal for you, which can be done right over the Internet. Don't have to leave your office. No salesperson will call. We can arrange it at a time inconvenient for you. So please go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. On today's episode, my guest is Terrell Turner. Terrell is a CPA and co-founder of Fractional CFO. Terrell seeks to help simplify accounting and finance for law firms and agencies. Terrell joined me previously on an episode to talk about what to expect from a law firm CFO. I asked Terrell to come back today and talk to us about how a law firm can grow its profits, a very important topic. Welcome back, Terrell. Thank you for having me back. Well, for those who might not have heard your first episode, but if you did, you can readily go back and listen to it. Can you give us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so my background is, you know, accounting. I started off in working as an auditor and realized I didn't like being the, as some people put it, the doctor no or the one that slapped everybody's hand when they made a mistake. Is I actually wanted to look at the financials and actually help business owners and help business leaders make smart money decisions. And so I worked for large corporations and for some smaller organizations. And then I decided after working about 90 hours a week, I was said, you know what, 
maybe I should build my own firm. If I'm going to work this hard, I want to actually own the firm. And so I decided doing that and started working with different business owners and really kind of fell in love after working with a lot of law firms and realizing that a lot of them had some of the same problems and issues and that I could help them. And before we dive into some further details, can you clarify what's a really important basic concept, but is really important to make sure the difference is clarified? And that's what's the difference between cash flow and profit? They're not the same, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, when it comes down to you know cash flow and profit, I do think people often get them mixed up because from a profit standpoint, it means that we provided services and let's say, you know, the client, you know, the cl- we build the client $50,000 and it only cost us after paying our payroll, let's say if it cost us $20,000, you know, to actually support that case. Well, your profit on that is 30,000. But if the client doesn't actually pay the invoice, your cash flow is not going to be 30,000. Your cash flow is going to be whatever the whatever the client actually paid. So it's very important to understand that you could be a very profitable firm, but if you aren't collecting the actual payments, then you might not be cash flow positive. I think that's a really important point. And that's part of the collections percentage matters is part of the comment there. But let's talk about some of the challenges that get in the way of law firms being profitable. Yeah, I think one of the first things that challenges that a law firm faces is not actually looking at their numbers because, and, and I get it because it's not one of the things that lawyers went to law school for, or they really said, hey, I want to start a law firm because I really want to look at my numbers. But one of the things that I realize is law firms and law firm owners that don't spend time looking at their numbers it's very difficult for them to be profitable because you really don't know where to spend your time. So I think step one is looking at your numbers and actually taking the time to understand how much revenue did we have and what were our expenses? What did we spend money on? And then what number shows up at the bottom? Is it positive or is it negative? And so one of the things, one of the firms I was at that I thought did a great job was actually getting the attorneys to look at those numbers, right? So we used to start every Monday morning off and we would have the financial reports and the youngest, newest associate would actually be involved and everybody would be kind of accountable. And so you learn from day one. And I thought that was a really good process. But so in general, though, I will acknowledge, and my partners, we are all accounting, finance, economics backgrounds, and we just get really busy, and sometimes it's hard to get us to sit down and look at those numbers. So these are, you know, why have we not just gotten past this and fixed these and said, you know, this really is important? What do you think it's in the way of law firms? Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with, there's so many things for you to really manage, and this one, I think, more so kind of falls on the bookkeeper or the accountant that you actually use to help support your business. And oftentimes what ends up happening is the bookkeeper or the accountant is just sending you the information in a format that they understand. And they're not really taking the time to really say, okay, all right, 
what parts of the financial statements do you really need to understand or do you need to know? Or what parts of the financial statements do you actually have time to look at? And because there have been some firms that I started working with, and when I looked at their, you know, their profit and loss statement, I said, this is confusing for me to understand. So I know why you haven't been looking at it. And so I do think that, you know, it is smart to work with a bookkeeper or accountant who actually cares about breaking it down in a way that actually makes sense to the lawyer or to the law firm. And then I think once they actually have it in a format that actually can make sense to the lawyer or the law firm is then having some expectation of knowing that, hey, on the 10th of the month or the 5th of the month or, hey, every Monday, I am going to get XYZ data so that I know and I can actually plan my schedule to say that, hey, I know when I'm going to get this report and I can look at it. What I see happening with a lot of law firms is that when I ask them about, hey, when's the last time you know, your accountant sent you your financials? And they're like, well, I need to follow up with them. Well, that's one more list on top of all the other things that you have to do chances are it's probably not going to be the highest priority. And part of that is on the accountant because like they need to be accountable to the lawyer and to the law firm so that the lawyer and the law firm know, hey, I am going to get this report on X day so they can allot the time to actually look at it. I think the comment you made about the simplicity of reports is really important because we've had presented to us, oh, like a hundred pages. And there's no way that we're going to sit there and go through a hundred page report. And I would just say that if I were to do a plead, all the practice management systems out there as, you know, a person with an accounting background, give me some real accounting in the practice management program. Cause I'm a QuickBooks type of user, right? And I haven't seen that kind of stuff in the practice management systems that I love. I'm hopefully there's one out there that I've missed, but what we've had to even do is to do a, layover program that pulls the data out of some of the reports to try and simplify. And one of the things we've also gone to is that at one meeting per month, at each meeting that we have, somebody shows up with the report so that we all sit down. Because if they just land in my inbox with a thousand other emails that came in the last two hours, the chances are I'm not going to look at it either. And so, you know, this is a really important thing in terms of the next topic, which is talking about how law firms can grow their profits. So we have to get those basics in place, the good reporting, getting us to look at reports, listening to us, possibly having somebody who's going to give us the bullet points. This is what's going on with your practice. So then what's the next step in terms of helping law firms to really grow their profits? Yeah, and when it comes down to that, I like to start off with a simple approach with law firms. And, you know, it seems very simple and very elementary, but when I do it, I'm surprised at sometimes the answers that I get, because the question I'll ask them is, okay, what do you do on a weekly basis that actually helps the law firm make money? And they'll list a ton of different things. And then we actually start digging into that. And they start realizing probably outside of actually doing billable work, a lot of the things that they may be spending their time on they don't really get paid for that type of stuff or the law firm doesn't really make a lot of money doing that. And so one of the things that I start asking them is like, okay, all right, is there someone else other than the associate that can do that? Because if you're not getting paid for that, 
The associates are likely the most expensive employees in the firm. Can somebody else do that? Or can we find some technology that can do that automatically so you can focus on the stuff that actually generates revenue for the firm? And so I think that when you kind of do that audit of how you're actually spending your time, I think that is probably step one. I think step two is then looking at, okay, what are we spending money on? Like what really drives cost? And so that's where we start to look at sometimes your different practice areas. And we see that, hey, every time you do this type of case, are you having to hire additional investigators to support that? And asking yourself, well, how much are we paying those investigators to support these types of cases? And does that really make financial sense for you to keep doing it that way? Or do we need to hire an in-house investigator? And different things like that can really help you understand, you know, every time a, a client pays us $1, how much of that dollar do we get to keep after all of the expenses are paid? And I think that as you start to think about it that way, it really starts to help you realize where do we as a law firm need to spend our time? And then I think speaking of that, it leads to really looking at, you may be a family law practice, but within family law, what are the types of cases that you actually support? And really look at what is the profitability at that case level? Because what I find with a lot of firms is, once we start to look at their profitability down to the case level, what we start realizing is they're spending a lot of time on the types of cases that they like doing, but they're not making that much money on. So the more time you spend on the low profit casework, the lower the profits for the firm are going to be. And so we have to start looking at things like that and then making alternative decisions. And so one of the things I heard you say, which I always qualify as sort of the basic principle of law firm profitability is give the work to the person, the least expensive person who's capable of doing it. And a lot of times what happens is you just like doing it, so you keep doing it. And actually, sometimes what I see, though, is with lawyers, they just don't think about it. Like for me, I will just admit that I have a high enough volume practice that as soon as an email lands in my inbox, I'm thinking, who can I give to this and who's the lowest cost going to be? And the other question that you mentioned that I really liked a lot was the technology. Because we've taken and gone, there's a whole lot of things. You know, there's chatbots out there to screen the calls that if you're a personal injury firm, you don't want the family law call, right? If we're a tax law firm, we don't want the family law call. And so we can get chatbots to screen those calls out rather than having a person have to deal with them. And that's true in a whole lot of ways, So, which again is, is another topic. But in that regard, one of the things that you, know, you talk a little bit about is using a business coach. So how does a business coach help us figure these things out? Yeah. So what you get from working with a good business coach is that they've seen enough situations at multiple firms that they can give you some guidance on, hey, here are some best practices or, hey, I've seen that situation before. And they can give you some guidance on, hey, here's what I've seen 
you know, other firms do to overcome that challenge? Because regardless of how many years you've been practicing law, when it comes to actually running the business side of it, you know, you may be running into things that you've never seen before if you were just focused on practicing law. So I always say is you could learn the long and hard way by making your own mistakes, or you can take a shortcut and learn from people who have seen it, they've done it before, and they can give you some guidance on how to overcome that. And then also, if you're working with a really good business coach, they, they should be able to provide you with some framework of processes that you can implement that will allow you to start seeing better results. I mean, whether it's, hey, when you're working, walking through your, your, your billing process, they can give you, hey, here are the steps that you need. Because when it comes down to delegating it to the lowest cost person that can do it, you're going to need to develop a process and be able to identify these steps in the process can be handled by this person. These steps in the process can be handled by that person. That way, when the situation comes up, you're not trying to think about, well, who can do it? Well, if you already have a good process and a coach can help lay that out for you, you can go ahead and label that out in advance to say, when this happens, this person will take that kind of like you've done with your emails, where it's like, hey, you know, when you get this email in, this person takes care of those type of emails, this person takes care of those type of emails. But I think being able to think through the process beforehand, and then set up some type of framework or structure is something that coaches can, well, a good coach can really help you with. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors. If you had a dollar for every financial advisor that just wanted your money, your financial future would already be secure. At Foster Group, our team is different. One whose focus is on you and your dreams. Together, we'll create a strategy that helps you get there, wherever there is for you. Foster Group, your financial life truly cared for. Connect with us at fostergrp.com. Foster Group's written disclosure brochure, as set forth in Part 2A of Form ADV, discusses advisory services and fees, is available at www.fostergrp.com. Okay, let's continue our episode. So as to my emails, I do have to tell you that the standing joke in my office is that I forward emails all the time that say something like PH, which means please handle. And then we had a meeting one time with a consultant who said, we get these short, terse emails from her. I'm like, okay, so then you just make a quick part with the flowery stuff and then cut and paste that in. (laughs) It's like, okay. But anyway, um, another thing that you talk about, Terrell, that I really like, because I think this is a one of the really significant challenges in the legal industry. And you talk about managing the capacity of the work that, you know, your capacity for the work that's coming in. And there's this tendency to think that every time somebody calls us and asks us to take on a project, we have to do it. And we might or might not have the capacity at that moment. And currently in the current environment, it's tough to hire the good people that you need to support. And so it seems to me that we're at a moment where managing the work that's coming in and your capacity so that you're providing really good service is extremely important. And so what are the right types of tools or thought process that firms need to adopt 
what can they do to really develop a strategy for this? Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, when it comes down to your law firm management system and the law firm management software is whatever system you're using is you want to make sure that you are actually looking at the data that comes from it or that you hire someone who can actually sort the data in a way that helps you understand where are our people spending their time to, to where you start to get visibility to where, what are we investing our time and our energy into? And then I think you can start to ask yourself, it's like, okay, all right, how much capacity do we have? What are we currently doing with our time? Are there any technology tools that we can bring in to free up capacity? And if the answer is yes, then we find out what is that technology we implement it, get that set up, and then we look and say, okay, all right, how much capacity do, does our team have? And then how many cases can we realistically support? Because as you mentioned, one of the things that you don't want to do is you don't want to keep taking in more and more cases, and you really just can't support them, and you really can't work on them because one of the things you don't want to do is you don't want to run into a place where you end up exhausting your team and your team is completely burnt out because you didn't manage the front end of the capacity load. And, and I think that, like you said, it is pretty complicated to, or I guess you say difficult now to find and hire people quickly because people have other options or, you know, the, the market is getting tighter or, the asking salaries are maybe higher than they used to be in the past. So it may not be as easy to just say, hey, well, we got this extra load of work. We're just going to go find somebody and hire them in two weeks. I mean, there have been some firms that I know that they've been searching for months to find someone. Well, the thing is, if you accepted a lot of new clients and you have to manage an interview process for months, then you probably are either going to have to work a ton of hours yourself, you're going to have to either exhaust someone, or unfortunately, you may have, since you made a commitment to that client, you might have to go find another firm and pay them a higher contract rate than you're willing to, so that the, the work can get done. So you definitely want to use your technology and your system to understand what is our team currently doing? So you get an idea on how much work can they handle? And then really using your system, whether it's on the marketing side, look at the number of potential cases that could become clients and ask yourself, if we understand the average time that it takes to support that type of case, if we accepted all these cases, do we even have the bandwidth to do the work? If you don't, then, hey, can we space some of these cases out or can we prioritize them to say, hey, these are the top, you know, 30 cases or the top 10 cases that we would want out of this population? And then how do we either space out the timing or how do we find other reputable referrals where we can send some of the other work that we can't handle? And I'm hearing both business owners and law firms saying to the extent you don't have capacity, it's the time to be really choosy, identify what your ideal client is, and make sure you're accepting that. But I really like your concept of using data because I think it's really easy just to have the call ring, 
somebody wants to send you a case, you're excited, I got a referral from Joey, and so it must be a great case, and you take it on. And I will tell you that I've personally run into the wall of taking on too much, not having capacity, and burning out good people and losing them, the last thing that you really want to do. So we take you know the concept of that capacity really seriously, and so I really appreciate you talking about that. I think that's one of the biggest challenges for law firms because you ebb and flow. Somebody said to me one time, like, well, how many days do you come in and you um, have nothing to do? And I'm like, well, that's um, not ever happened. <laughs> and then they said, and this was a coach, they said, how many times have you come in with your priorities, left that day, never touched your priorities, and you're further behind than when you left? I'm like, oh, almost every day. And they said, isn't that the definition of insanity? And that's why, you know, I love the topic of capacity and managing that. So thanks for those comments. Do you have any last thoughts today, Terrell? Yeah, one of the other things I'll add when it comes down to capacity is, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, you what I tell people is you want to make sure that you respect your referral sources. Because if someone is referring you cases and you just don't have the capacity to accept it, but you end up accepting it anyway, if you have a bad interaction or let's say you aren't able to effectively, you know, take care of that referral that came in, you not only could, you know, make a bad relationship with that client, you also could make a bad relationship with that referral source, which could affect the future of your business. So I think what you were saying is, as capacity, like you really do have to manage your capacity and understand even if I'm getting a referral from a really, really good referral source of being honest enough with them to say, hey, we would love to take that case on. We either don't have the capacity or, hey, here's some things we need to get done to be able to support that. Because if you ruin the relationship with the client, you could also ruin the relationship with the referral source, which could have drastic impacts for you in the future. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And the other topic with that is the you create the capacity by recruiting the right people. And it's really easy to hire someone too quickly. And we're going to do a podcast on recruiting the right pers persons down the road as well. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, Terrell. I really appreciate it. As we reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and Foster Group. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases. Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have. A Huda Media Production.